Hello, and welcome to the Cash News Podcast, informative conversations about all things currency and cash. We'll share insights on the issues affecting the world of cash today, like cash security, payments technology, and the cash supply chain. Your hosts, Tom Meehan and Sean Ferrari, hope to inform industry professionals and support better cash security and management by sharing the latest information on trends, strategies, and technology. This is the Cash News Podcast. Now, here's Tom and Sean. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Cash News Podcast. As always, Sean Ferrari, the man, the myth, the legend. Uh, he's going to be taking the most of the talking points here because their executive summit for currency research happened uh, this week. So we are at episode 20 and we're taping December 10th. And I, I'm going to say that just because with, with holidays and things, who knows when this comes out. And I was fortunate enough to join at the very, very tail end and, and spend some time with the group. And I'm super glad that I was able to. I unfortunately couldn't make the whole event, but this is going to be the Sean show today because, uh, <laughs> you know, although I got to hear everybody at, at the dinner table talking about it, I wasn't there. So over to you, my friends. Well, thank you, sir. I think uh, you may be the true man, myth, and legend, and I am just, you know, your your humble sidekick. But nonetheless, I'm thrilled to talk to everybody. Thanks for for dialing in and podcasting, listening to us wherever you are. We are honored to have you with us in this this holiday season. So maybe while you're wrapping presents or preparing your gift cards or stuffing hard currency into envelopes for all of your gift giving pleasure you can listen to us talk about it so we we did have our executive summit it was a new new initiative we tried this year given that folks were still a little concerned about traveling and it wasn't quite the right time to get a large group together for us yet so we we decided we would have a small group of executives gather um, we met in Chicago and we had a, a great turnout. We had about just under 20 people. We had about 17, 17 or 18 folks um, show up, which turned out to be the, the perfect number. And we had it really representing all aspects of the industry. And we had a, a couple commercial banks, um, CITs, we had some suppliers, and then the the Fed came as well. So we had a, a good representation of folks. And I will throw out a thank you to J.R. Davis and Davis Bank Corp here, because they did um, sponsor the gathering a bit in their hometown. So um, if, if anyone from Chicago is listening, or if J.R. happens to be listening, thank you. Greatly appreciated. It was a good day. I mean, it was a it was a full day. We went all day. And the nice part was, I you know, I don't know how much of this was due to the topics or how much of this is uh, because folks were just happy to be together in the same room talking about things um, once again for after a couple of year hiatus of the, the face-to-face gatherings. But, you know, there was definitely no shortage of conversation to be had. It was a, a very free-flowing day covering a lot of topics that are going on in the industry and we had great discussions. So I'll just take a little bit of time here and just go over a couple of the the topics that folks naturally gravitated to for the the course of the day. We were going to do this uh, a version of this live from there and and actually talk to some folks, but in all honesty, the conversation was going so well throughout the day that um, it didn't really leave us enough time at the end to have a break where we could do this live. So I'm going to give you a little bit of the the recap here, and then maybe over the the coming weeks we can get a few folks on who who were there to to talk about stuff. One of the main points that we started with was you know a lot of the the folks were 
wondering what just was going on in the realm of of cash is it is it staying is it going what's going on and of course this group is is predisposed as you know working with cash on a day in and day out basis um, everybody pretty much sees the fact that it's not going away right i mean i think everybody is interested to see how the online trends and the, the online shopping and stuff that's really taken off during the pandemic, um, how much of that stays, how much of that goes, what the new volume levels will be. And I think everybody is kind of from a processing standpoint or a handling standpoint, sees the decline in receipts coming in to some degree. However, the receipts are still strong as, as it comes in. So I think everybody is is kind of in this wait and see what will happen as folks re-engage with the economy. Um, they're not worried about cash not being a, a payment instrument or decreasing to any dangerous level of, of being low on the you know, but they are concerned what happens if if there's a crush of cash that comes back and folks have downsized a little bit um, in terms of cash ops, will we be able to handle the, the return? And one of the interesting points, I think, was uh, we spent a lot of time talking about coin, and I'll get into that in a little bit, but their, their thinking on it was there is a coin challenge at the moment in terms of handling the the amount of coin that's circulating and getting it to circulate efficiently. And what happens if you know we don't be mindful on what's happening with changes in, in currency volumes and could someday in the future, the similar supply issues that are going on with coin, could that happen in the cash space if we're not careful? And I think my, my friend and, and colleague, uh, David Hensley from the UK, coined the term kind of, no pun intended, um, but coined the term, you know, don't sleepwalk into a cashless society, right? Um, and he's he's particularly mindful of that because what can, what can happen and what, what this group was particularly sensitive to was we can slowly without thinking about it, keep reducing infrastructure, right, around cash processing or cash handling, cash distribution, and then what happens when you need it? Or what happens in, with financial inclusion? What happens when people have to drive an hour to get to a ATM to get cash? What happens if they can't do that? I mean, there's a whole host of things. And financial inclusion started to come up at that point where, you know, that's definitely a, a piece where it cash plays a plays a valuable hand and, and will for the foreseeable future. So we talked a bit about that, talked about the point of sale changes um, in terms of putting more customer facing cash acceptance devices, kiosks, if you will, putting more like cash acceptance, customer facing type terminals in places. And I think it seems like one of the trends that's happening is the kiosks that have been put in place over time, particularly in the quick serve space, are great at taking digital payment, credit card aspects, but very few, if any, um, except cash at the moment. And what a lot of the, what we were hearing anyway, was what a lot of the, the places that have put those in are, are finding is that it's actually a negative, it can be a negative hit on sales to the degree that if you're a normal cash paying customer and you have to be rerouted from the kiosk to then go pay cash at the register, you're getting in yet another line and you're waiting and you might not be happy waiting um, and you leave without without paying or without getting your, your product, right? So uh, they were mentioning a couple stores have actually started to do studies on that and they're finding that they're losing significant amounts of revenue by not accepting cash at, at that point of sale. So there, there may be a, a 
kind of retrofit coming to either put more cash acceptance, customer service facing kiosks in place uh, or getting rid of them altogether and shuffling people back through the main line. So it'll be interesting to see where that goes, but it does kind of speak to cash's uh, relevance to a, a significant segment of the population. So we talked about that. Then I would be remiss here if I didn't bring up coin because uh, we spent all the conversation kept coming back to coin and the get coin moving challenges that are going on in the, the U.S. right now. We're, we're back to allocating amounts of coin to different depository institutions from the Fed so that at least everybody gets a little coin. There are still challenges spreading it about the country. And what seems to be happening right now is retail, to a large degree, is taking matters into their own hands, um, as you would expect in a shortage. And they're, I think, increasing their hoarding, where everybody seems to be hoarding, so they have coins, um, which does not help spread it around efficiently, but it is the free market working its magic. The coin hoarding, it's like everything else right now. There's, I listened to another podcast, which Snacks Daily and every, it's a Robin Hood Snacks Daily. So it's a financial podcast. And I listen to it every day, 15 minutes, not as good as our podcast, but <laughs> you know, a good podcast. And they, every week they talk about the weekly item or that's, that's being hoarded. Um, and so it's every week during this pandemic, it goes paper, from paper goods to this and immediately when we were talking at dinner, I, I thought of the coin hoarding and, and how little it gets in the news, but people don't realize that people are sitting on so much coin right now. There was a particular, I'll call it a retailer, at the at this event. And what was fascinating was they were telling their story about how, you know, it's essential for them that they have coin to to meet their customer experience. And they do not want to tell anybody no for anything. And particularly if it's somebody trying to buy something. So they again took matters into their own hands they get a lot of coin throughout the year they collect it in various fountains or other areas around their their facility and they get a lot of it and rather than deposit it they're quite upfront about the fact they're holding it and they will continue to hold it and they'll work out deals with their even their competitors to trade what they have to trade and sell back and forth and uh, manage the coin circulation themselves, but they plan on on doing that. And, and you know, it was, that's one. I, I get it. It's only one case study, if you will. But I don't think it's very far fetched to say that that type of hoarding, and again, the market working itself out. I don't even know that there's a problem with it, honestly. I mean, it it might not be the most efficient way of doing it, but having economic entities trade things between themselves to facilitate commerce might be okay. Yeah, there's going to be some losers in that. And it, it, it will likely get back to a more equilibrium state at some point. But right now, anyway, I think that's where a lot of the coin is. It's just if people want to be able to make change, they want to be able to not turn away customers. So they're going to hold, hold on to it. You know, we talked a bit about what could a solution be. There isn't a good one right now that, <laughs> that folks have on the table um, other than, than more PR type type programs or, you know, maybe encouraging folks to do some of this trading with each other, but in a more visible way so that maybe there's some sort of central clearing party that can kind of have a better view at what's going on, which leads to another topic we were talking about, which was cash visibility, you know, which has been going on in the US or trying to get going in the US for many, many years. And it's a slow haul there. But the coin thing kind of speaks to it where if there was visibility in how much of what denomination was where, even if it was just among depository institutions, that would go a long way to being able to move it where it needed to be, you know, in a more efficient manner. 
it's just another use case for, for visibility. Most folks think of the initial use case as kind of doc exchanges, making sure deposits and orders can be processed quickly and efficiently and you know where your money is. But another case is if you know where your money is, you can then balance it a little more efficiently between agents than happens now. So we spent a lot of time talking about that and what the impediments are to having folks trade data that you need in this deposit tracking type type program. And I think everybody agrees at this point, it's not a huge technological lift. It's just a change in the way that folks are operating. And there is some expenditure required in terms of an IT system or, or what have you that, you know, needs to be planned into budgets. And I think that's where it, you know, unless there's a, a definitive need shown, it's always hard to get budget dollars to, to do anything. And it's, it's hard to pinpoint the cost savings that an institution may see because of this. So that's some of the struggle. Um, along with the perception, which goes to the first point I talked about, along with the perception, especially at kind of like the C-level folks of a bank or wherever that cash is going away, right? It's not sexy. They just don't think that it's going to be around regardless of what the ops folks may say or what, what have you. But it's hard to walk into a boardroom and get approval to spend money on cash um, or a cash process because there's just an inherent bias of why would I do that? Is, isn't it going to be all credit card and all digital going forward? So that's what we spent the day talking about. The The Fed was there to kind of hear a lot of this and, and respond, uh, you know, a, a bit. I will say from the travel standpoint, I know we all kind of talk about that a little bit here. Um, Tom and I do week to week. Uh, it was a very natural environment. Once we all got together, we all really enjoyed it. There was really no hesitation to be be around each other. It was a, a pretty normal, you know, normal experience and it felt good to good to do that. Also happy to hear from our, our colleagues at the Fed that at least some of the reserve banks seem to be moving back to in-person and and kind of normal-ish work environments pretty rapidly in the new year. So that that was encouraging to hear that things are going to return to a bit more normal at, at, on that front. I think that'll obviously differ from, from reserve bank to reserve bank to company to company, but at least there's some movement there. So yeah, that's a really fast kind of summary of, of what we talked about and where we're going to go. We'll probably, you know, I think it was a successful meeting of, of the industry, definitely able to have more in-depth and more connection points there with everybody there than we can at a, a huge or a bigger conference. So I think there's room for, for meetings like this to continue, and we're going to look for ways to do that um, as we go forward. So that's it, sir. Awesome. You know, cash visibility, and I, I didn't want to jump in when you were saying it, is something that <laughs> I've been working on for the last five years and still struggle with a little bit of understanding why we're not further along in the industry. And uh, I think your point about coin is for all the listeners Imagine if you could track coin that if you knew where it was right now and, you know, you could call people and barter to get it back and, and do things. Not that I ever would expect to see the same level of challenge of bills. I know anecdotally bills are easier to print. So there's, there's other things that are lighter, they're easier to move, but the need for visibility in the industry is, is real. And I still sometimes perplexed that we're this far along and haven't gotten to where we are. And if you go to a country like France, and I understand it's not as big as the US, and there's, there's several European countries that are fully in, engaged and, and have different rules and see the benefit. So I'm eager to see, I obviously know that some people are doing it. I, I, I know in my day job, we get 
calls pretty often about what, you know, can we support it? What's the benefit? And I think we should and will probably have a couple podcasts just on visibility. And maybe we'll get to see if we get someone to come on and just give us an update from the Cash Advisory Council or from GS1 just to give us a, an update of what the thought is. I understand uh, some of the complexities from the retail side, but to me, five years ago, I thought it was interesting that we weren't further along. And now uh, being as ingrained as I am, I think COVID definitely slowed it down. I think pre-COVID, there was a momentum, or at least it felt like there was some momentum with it. <laughs> you know, everybody's talking about it and there were plans. And I think that that got fumbled up. But if we think a shortage of coin is daunting, um, and I, I know I say debacle and I, 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 I'm half joking about it, but if we think it's daunting, imagine if we had that issue with cash and just imagine if we had a way to tell where all the money was, uh, how much easier it would be to address it. And then that's, that's not the intended benefit of it, but um, I just think it's one of those things and I will definitely get some folks on here to talk about it because and we probably will with coin, right? Too like that. That was the two topics. We'll probably get some folks on here to to conversate, and hopefully the listeners get some benefit out of it. Yeah, I think so. And and just one other point on visibility. I think the two things that really hamper it here in the U.S. compared to some other European countries or wherever is one mandates. Um, the foreign other central banks are more apt to regulate it and just say you yeah. must do it the fed because of the nature of it and the us and what have you it tends to shy away from from mandating or regulating as much as possible and in this case it's more of a we would like you to um yeah it's a suggestion they'll find ways to incent it i'm sure but nonetheless it's a much softer approach and it's also there's eleven thousand plus financial institutions that hit the dock right it's hard because you're you have to be equitable. They have to be equitable, right? So it's like, okay, well, maybe maybe a big guy is able to do this, but what about the savings and loan down the street, the credit union down the street that comes in and how do we deal with that situation as well? So they're they're dealing with a lot. It that's not really an excuse, but it's it's just an explanation of why it's sometimes more challenging to get things done here than <laughs> than elsewhere. Yeah. And, and I mean, I, I want to be just because I think it's important to say it is I'm not a, by any means oversimplifying it. I think my ultimate when I say it's a no brainer is the benefit is just is, is so substantial for a, an armored carrier. It's probably more substantial than anybody else, like being able to get efficiencies and yep. being able to communicate. But standardization brings technology to the forefront and allows you to have a technology or a solution provider. Everybody's focusing on the same thing. So you don't have 50 versions of software doing 50 different things. You don't have 50 different types of readers. So there's there's all sorts of benefits. And I know you know that. And I know the audience actually generally knows that too. I also know the the level of detail that's required to upgrade software systems. And you know, I do that for a living, right? So I understand that, hey, Tom, this is really easy, but who's going to pay to upgrade our software and get it ready and train everybody? So that's all part of it. But um, I'm hoping that one day we'll see it. I, I still believe that there will be a lot, some level of implementation in the next two to three years. And then it takes it, all this stuff takes like a forcing event, right? I mean, if you look at remote deposit capture, where we all take a picture of our checks now, and yes, every depository institution in the country converted to that. But what did that take? It took an, an literally check 21 act of Congress um, to regulate it coming out of 9-11. So, I mean, that's, it can happen. It just takes, and until there's like a forcing event, 
it's hard to move anything along. So that's a great example of a lot of the things we see in banking that um, it's not that people don't want to do it. It's that it's a, it's a big, big machine with a lot of moving parts. <laughs> and sometimes there has to be a regulatory event to, to drive it. And it's funny you say that because someone else was talking to me about, you know, actually at, at dinner, we were having a conversation about, you know, remember when that, you know, remember when you had to actually physically do things, you know, and, and, and we thought it was impossible then. The takeaway here is we'll have, we'll have some folks on to talk about it that know a lot more about it than Sean and I and are actively involved. And I think I was very, very involved pre-COVID and then, um, you know, kind of have been involved from a customer standpoint. And by all means, anybody that's listening, that's what the podcast is for, is to, to gather information. If there are specific questions, reach out to Sean or myself, and we'll come up together to go, go ahead and look at it. So with that, please, please, please like and subscribe and give us a review if you can. I am still amazed by the amount of people that I see that listen to it or not subscribed to it. So it's a common theme. And by the way, I, I gather from some of the things I've been hearing is that's not uncommon because people use aggregators that they just go in and search. But please, please, please listen, like, subscribe and give us a review if you can. We really appreciate it. It helps us out a lot. And uh, we'll be seeing you soon. I assume this will be coming out before the holidays are over. So, uh, you know, continue having a good holiday season out there. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Cash News Podcast. We hope you found this episode insightful. Don't forget to like and review us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter, and be sure to visit us at thecashnews.com to stay up to date with the latest on the world of cash. Thanks again for listening to the Cash News Podcast.